0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Storytelling Secrets. I'm Jules Dan here, and this is the podcast for you as a personal brand entrepreneur. If you're struggling to entertain, inspire, capture the attention of your audiences, and so that you can craft strategic stories that ultimately sell. Hey, I actually got it really good that time. Um, <laughs> anyways, oh, I am I'm kidding myself because uh, I have had a problem the last... Probably two years with um communication and uh, I'm, I'm telling you this not because i'm trying to like show my wounds but i told you guys that i was going to get the podcast out on thursday and i didn't let it happen and um there's a little bit of a backstory behind it and uh like i said communication for me um man has been a big big thing i need to improve in um I've been I mean, definitely starting, to, not starting, it's been a working progress to like 10x what it was last year, um, but this new segment that I've been doing that I'm going to be showing you today, which I'll get to in a moment, the uh, I didn't quite tell my guest that in a succinct way that our recording, the story pulling out of you, you know, it wasn't going to be that it was going to be a podcast episode, and um, you know, it's a bit of miscommunication from my part, just to clarify that it was okay with her, that we're going to post it, she said yes, that's okay, so we're good now, and um, yeah, I, I will not do it again, I'm sorry, is what I'm saying, I'm going to be here consistent, keeping my word, Monday, Thursday, US times. Okay, without, put that stuff behind me now, now today's going to be that very special episode, first time ever. I'm getting someone on who's an entrepreneur and instead of them dropping value, tactics, strategy, I'm going to get them to come on and I'm going to pull their story out, okay? I'm going to pull their origin story out. Why am I doing this? So, if you're really struggling to get your story out in writing or just being able to know how to tell it, this is the podcast for you. I briefly touched over it on episode 11, how to write um, a mesmerizing story without writing a single word and the story is with an interview and I'm going to show you right now and demonstrate for you how you'd actually do that so my guest today is Caterina Del Faccio I believe that's what it is because she's Italian I hope that's right or Caterina Del Fac- Falco is if you're just a re- everyday person but I believe it's Caterina Del Faccio and um She is uh, she is something called Return to the Table. Now she has a fascinating story because her story isn't someone who does like make someone lots of money or or you know like what a lot of like bro marketers are. She has got a very um, very interesting story and um, what her passion is and what she's currently doing is um, sharing and teaching how you actually create great home cooked nutritious quality meals. Bring the family together so you can have meaningful relationships, really great conversations, and that um, especially ki- uh, families with younger kids can like have them excited to sit at the dinner table and chat because food is the thing that really brings us together. And um, today, I really talk about today. Today, I really talk about today. Today, I chat with Katarina, and we're gonna go through her story from the very beginning and. Pay attention to, say, of, like, how I do this. I'm not going to just drop it in. I'm going to tell you what to look out for in this, okay? So, I take it through a story narrative. So, inside of Expert Secrets, you get the Epiphany Breach script. Now, the problem with that is that there, there are subtleties that you need to sort of go into. So, I really like to start with the beginning with the end in mind. Like What is the transformation that you want to show to your ideal customer, client, person listening to this. What is a transformation that you had that the person listening to this story wants to feel? And we make that clear before this call and that's that's transformation that you want to achieve. So your story has a guiding light to go to instead of like like zigzagging everywhere. I, I, I went and started this and then I went down this other project. Yes, those things are important, but those things really draw out the story a lot and it may seem like i skip a lot of details because everyone's story can be really 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 long there's years and years of content there but if we can keep our stories to one major desire and you know there's a thing at stake that's something that challenged them to go out and change who they were and we go down this path and then we end up with this transformation that's how the great story is made. That's how you capture people's attention. And in this story extraction, really like to paint the details in it. Really like to capture her desire of why she wanted to pursue her her goal of bringing food onto the table for families and um, bring meaningful relationships. But, anyways, today's going to be a first part of the interview because it wouldn't make sense. Um I feel like it would be best serve you if, if it was just one take. Sorry, if it was two two different things. Um it won't exhaust you. It will get you a little primed up for next week when we uh, or the next time we do part two. And um so yeah. None other so I'm gonna be here with my guest today, Katarina Del Faccio. This is gonna be an entirely new episode structure. I'm pulling out the story. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know how it goes. So I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Katerina. Just so so I have a good uh, sort of idea, what is the, I like to begin with the end in mind. So what was the transformation that you had? And then that way I can sort of direct the story that way.
1: I love this question and I hate this question because... and I struggled with this for months, I didn't have that typical transformation. I've been doing this my entire life. Even when I was 21, I would cook these kind of elaborate meals for myself. Cause I love like if you've been to Europe and I I don't know your culture so well, Mm -hmm. but you know, imagine being in the south of France, the big table and all these people are in Italy and I grew up in an Italian home and they're just sitting there for hours and eating all this food and it just looks like paradise. That's like how I've been with food my whole life. But when I had kids, it started getting tricky and i did all this cooking for them and then they started getting bigger and ate more and this is where moms that i'm working with get stuck it's overwhelming to be working and figuring out dinner and if you don't have this passion it mm-hmm. just gets set to the wayside right so i actually have a system that i teach on how to get food on the table and we can go over that at some point so i realized over 10 years that i had created this i mean i realized recently, you know, the past Mm -hmm. two years that I had created a system that allowed me to keep living this style that I wanted. And I helped all these moms for all these years, right? They're like, how do you do that? And my kids come to your house and they eat and they don't eat at my house and you feed them weird foods. That's even funnier. So that is my, um, what's the word? Not transformation. framework. Yeah. That, that is when I realized I'm still going to do this. There Mm -hmm. is a way I'm going to figure this out and ended up creating a system that I can now teach. And this is why it took 30 years for me to arrive here because I Mm -hmm. needed 30 years of coaching people in wealth. I've been talking in financial world about family legacy, Mm -hmm. but the bonds and connections that we form at the table and the opportunity we have to connect just by taking the time to share good food together creates our family legacy. So I needed 30 years of that. I needed 30 years of coaching. I needed 30 years of cooking and 16 years of raising kids to be able to step out and say, guys, like, this is it. You need this. Mm -hmm. I can teach you how to do it. But my transformation occurred when I struggled as a working mom, figuring out how am I going to do this?
0: Okay, cool. We're going to touch on that. Okay. Just like any good Hollywood story, we're going to start from the beginning, hopefully at a point of high drama now. I want you to think back to a time where you were really enjoying these home cooked dinners and then you noticed that there was just something wrong that you were noticing in either yourself, other people. Can you take me back to that time?
1: So I should be thanking you for this because this has been one point of my story that I've never been comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure I have it down, but here we'll go. Mm-hmm. So go. I grew up in a group. I go, yeah, we'll see what happens. I grew up in a broken home, so my parents were divorced. Dad was Italian, cooked fabulous food, but he was really difficult to get along with, and in most dinner time gatherings were arguments. Very, very stressful. My mom, kind of depressed, single mom, did not have much money. Took us out for fast food. She didn't cook, and it was depressing but peaceful because she didn't talk much, and we just went out for fast food. So I had peace with bad food and excellent food with total drama and chaos and i had a mixture of how i was living when i got out into university i had ate fast food and then i started trying to learn how to cook like my dad who was estranged from yeah then i went to france this is the short version so i go to france and the the big story of you know my epiphany i went out to dinner the first night in paris and that takes me about three minutes to tell but it was a three-hour meal this with people that I didn't know but I felt like they were my best friends when we left I, I felt so good emotionally and physically I didn't feel full yep. I enjoyed all this amazing food and so that triggered something for me that was like, oh, like this is the way to live this is that experience this moment at the table it was absolute bliss
0: so at that point, sorry to interrupt, because um, this, this, this is the part where I want to like get the gold out. So it was at that moment where you, you had that sort of family, familyship moment where you said you had to go out with your, um, your mother. And although you had fast food, it was peaceful and it was nice. But you combined that really good food that your, your father had, even though it, was, it wasn't the most pleasant environment. And you combine those two environments into one. And that's when you had this ah, sort of moment.
1: Absolutely, I, I will. I mean, I can tell you. I've been back to that restaurant. I remember the table I was sitting at. I can tell you what we ate. Not every, exactly. This was exactly thirty years ago. But I know the menu that I ordered, and I remember the waiter. Like he, danced, it seemed to me like he was dancing up to the table. Like he was so proud to serve this food, and he didn't have a hand in cooking it. And um, I just have to play on my computer here. Yeah. Hold on. No problem. I can edit
0: this out. um, It's the beauty of a podcast. Yeah.
1: So he, um, he, I mean, it's like he just glided. He danced to the table and there was so much pride and they served a little aperitif and then a little, uh, you know, a little, the first course. And then there was this time in between and you didn't feel rushed and you didn't overeat. And there was just this, you know, this energy and it was, everything was so beautiful. And we were there for three hours. There's a longer version of that. Right. But, Yes, that was, like, leaving there, I remember thinking, these are, like, you felt like they were your best friends, like, break bread with somebody, right, when you, and and that's such a cultural thing in business, and you invite somebody over to your home when they're at your table, and so this, this experience can happen in our homes, at our dinner tables, in families' lives every single day, and that's really the glue that keeps us together, because we have to eat, and you know, I'll go on a ramble at this point, but that moment was like, I have to have this for the rest of my life. And I came back to the States. I had to come back and I could not get back to France for 20 years. I tried, I was looking for jobs and fluent in the language. And I ended up meeting my husband who's French here in Michigan. And he was living in the same village as I was at the time. And we never met. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah. So, can you tell me what sort of emotions were you feeling like through that whole three-hour process?
1: Through the the dinner, through the what process?
0: Yeah. So, when you're at the um, when you're in Europe having that three-hour dinner, like the whole sort of experience, how did that make you feel on the inside?
1: So you know, um, that was my first night. This experience, and then I was there for a year, and the right, food right. was always like everywhere was amazing, right? And I lived in a home with 10 people and we are at the table every night. And it was, it was so nourishing. I felt so safe and comfortable. And it's interesting that you just pulled that out of me because that is like the that's my in my main copy. (laughs) I talk about children feeling safe and secure, and they grow up with self-confidence and less likely to have bad behavior from having regular family dinners. And I never put the two pieces together that I myself was feeling safe and comforted because Mm -hmm. I never had those feelings growing up as a child, right?
0: Exactly. And so, um,
1: it resonated with me so strongly. Wasn't, it was more than just a lovely experience. Like I really, like really, you know, I was really attached to this experience and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize why. So thank you. So safe,
0: safety, nourishment, and what was the third one again? Comfortable. Safety, nourishment, comfortable. You, so I'm guessing this is something you brought back to Michigan and you wanted to take on the next step. And what was that sort of next step for you?
1: Oh, so this gets funny a little bit. When I came back, I just started cooking. I hosted, and I'm in my young 20s, so I had little dinner parties in my studio apartment. We had to sit on the bed and the table, but people were at my house every weekend in my little apartment, and um, I was committed to, like, I wanted to import food. I wanted to move back to France, so I tried to find something like that to try to get a job, and it didn't work out. I ended up 20 years later, 10 years ago, I actually dove into this project again, and I did import food. And I did make my own food and I have a l- nice little list of failed businesses, you know, from trying all these things, which mm-hmm.
0: is
1: kind of fun stories.
0: So you were trying to do this for yourself or as a business?
1: So when I came back, I was trying to get a job, mm-hmm. couldn't, and then I just cooked a lot, which is another story on how I learned how to cook. Yeah. We didn't touch that. But then 10 years ago, I was trying to turn this into a business. I was trying to do what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. something around food in France. I actually thought that if I imported food and I sold it on a website, so I'd create this online store and I put note cards and wrote like a blog in my website on, if you buy this product because it's such a good product and you use it like this, because I was a good cook at this point and you could make this dish and mm-hmm. serve your food in courses and in this manner that I've been accustomed to eating in this will create an experience at your table and it will change your life. That was my business plan 10 years ago. None of it worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So none of it worked. And then did you continue to keep doing this sort of cooking style at home and bringing your family together and your family really appreciated it?
1: Yes. um, Self-taught. I've never taken a cooking class. I started cooking when I got back from France and it took me, I remember notably it was almost 14 years, that I, somewhere between 13 and 14 years, that I realized I'm a good cook. I, before that I was buying, like I would use canned soup to make recipes. I, I tried all these different cookbooks. I burnt things, you know, so I, I understand the pain of learning. Women are intimidated by the kitchen. So, you know, I've been through all of that. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the rest of the question.
0: And was there any point you were lying in bed, looking at the ceiling and feeling, why am I doing this
1: a thousand times, a thousand times. Um, I've been working full part time, meaning like every weekend, every spare moment for 10 years on this. And um, I don't quite, I haven't, I questioned it when, when I hit rock bottom, but most of the time I just, there's like this thing in me that I've never been able to stop. Like I can't, Mm -hmm. And I knew that, I mean, I've always known that I'd much rather die at, you know, be in my eighties, like sitting at a family reunion with a martini and just telling a whole bunch of crazy stories that, you know, if it never worked out, I I just never, there's a few times I thought about quitting. Yeah. Um, Can I interject
0: just a little bit? So just to round this off, when you're at that rock bottom first, could you Mm -hmm. quickly fill me in? What did that look like? And what was that little inner voice that told you to keep pushing on through?
1: i have two that i can remember in the front of my mind one was 2 years ago mm-hmm. and um it was when i decided to write this book and i had taken about a year and a half where i was really not thinking about it much i was burnout and that was after i tried to make food i had a co-packer like whole crazy thing and I was going to make French food. My husband said, don't buy it and sell it. Just you're a good cook now. Just make a line of food. <laughs> that sounds easy, right? So I was taking this kind of mental sabbatical and the, the, there was a voice in my head constantly. Like it just wouldn't stop. And I remember waking up thinking I have to write a book. Where'd that come from? I don't know. And it just rang and rang and rang in my head. And finally one day, like I joke about this all the time. I say, okay, I will write the book if you'll stop talking to me. And I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. I i have never tried to write anything before this. So I sat down and wrote a book, which seemed really easy at the time, because I've had 30 years of all this stuff in my head and experience and seeing families and my own life. And then I tried to fine tune it ready to publish, I was just going to self publish it. And it's really complicated. I it's all over the place. It didn't flow. And I read, I'm like, this is just, nobody could read this. I mean, it's good. There's stories and the point's fabulous. So I've spent the last year getting help and figuring out how to pull it together. And um, so that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah. So you, you had all these great, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had all these like great ideas and the ideas were pouring out, but getting that clarity in how you actually edit it in a format where people can understand it is where you kind of realize, okay, this is where I need to get help.
1: Right. Like the final, yeah, it's a mess. And that has been, I mean, probably, Oh, I, I I mean, the last year and a half has been one of the hardest year and years and a half of my entire life. And I have a special needs kid. I mean, this has been just like put me over the edge like, because it's like, you're into something that you feel like you can't finish. Did I get on over my head? This is really, really hard. It's a harder than I thought. And that I've had a rock bottom here. I actually think it was in November. And I just told my family, I'm done. I am done, done, done. I'm done spending my time, my energy, our money. It's over. The whole thing is just over. And my 13 year old was the first one to speak up. And he said, you can't quit. You can't quit because you have to do this, mom. You People need you. My friends tell me they eat in their bedrooms. They like coming over here. I want them to have what I have. You need, people need you. And he just gave me this huge speech. My husband's been 100% behind me, but it was a dark, painful, like I never cry, but I cried. Actually, it was that day I was in the 2CCX um, meeting with my group
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I said, I'm done. And they pulled me out. It, this happened like very close together, these two things, but they pulled me out. And then two minutes after I said, okay, I won't quit. When you go on stage and take your picture with Russell, my picture with Russell was posted on the Facebook page two minutes after I got off my phone. Yeah. <laughs> like signs like that all the time. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, it's like, every time I think, I'm not going to do this. Something really crazy like that happens. So that's why I've been able to keep going all these years because it's like, there's no doubt in my mind. And, and all those failures, the, the crazy food business, like the, if I didn't start writing this book, I wouldn't have gone down the road to find all these resources and these people and learned the things I needed to learn. Like it was mm-hmm. the catalyst, right? It's not about the book. It was what needed to happen to keep me, like to get me going on the right track.
0: Yeah, right? it was and a process that, that really helps you through it.
1: Absolutely. So it's a flipping crazy process, right? And it's not how you think it's going to be, but all these things are the experience that I need to do the thing that I am absolutely positive I'm like mm-hmm. destined to do. So Can
0: scary. I, um, I just want to re- rewind just a little bit I can really get these gold nuggets out so before um, your son said that really really cute and amazing thing to you can you tell me three words how you were feeling on the inside at that point
1: oh yeah um just exhausted and um, I, I don't it wasn't a full but it's that imposter syndrome like you're crazy mm-hmm. right just. Like, what was I thinking? And this is not my destiny. Like, this was just a bad idea that I yep. didn't know better to not listen to.
0: And then what sort of emotions and like, could you describe maybe three words after your son told you, um, you know, you should definitely keep having these, um, this pursuing this goal, your books keep, I love having these people around. How did you like, can you describe it in three words, how you felt after that?
1: Yes. Um, actually what I felt before was I can't do this. I remember Mm -hmm. thinking that, and after he said that, I thought, so it's hard. Like just, you're supposed to do this. It's just hard.
0: It's just hard. And then you feel like you can do this. Did you feel like excited? Did you feel like there was a limited opportunity ahead of you? Like, tell me a bit more about that.
1: Right. Um, so when he said that, I thought it's. I'm going to keep going. You're right. I mean, he's right. I have to do this. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like if you're running a a race and you're tired, right? You're running a marathon and it's hard and you're not sure if you can finish, but you already ran so much of it and you know, you're going to get to the finish line, even though it's painful, you know, you're going to get to the finish line. It's that kind of feeling like I'm just taking a pause, (laughs) having a little meltdown. I'm exhausted. So go be exhausted and then get back to work. Because you are supposed to do this. There, it's, it, it's not a dark sinking feeling that something's wrong. It's just an exhaustion. And, a you know, you question yourself, but then it, you flip back right away. You know, it's not, you don't feel that it's truth.
0: Mm-hmm. It and then it, so... Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've had your son tell you, then you've had divine intervention come up with um, the photo with Russell Brunson and the two CCX. What was yeah. the plan of action when you sort of realize, look, the cards are really in my favor. I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna do this. Oh, I'm gonna leave it there as a little cliffhanger. What was her plan of action? Now. Tell me if you liked this style of of podcast. It's something I'm experimenting with. Um, I hope you got some value out of it today and how we're pulling out all these little different feelings and emotions and um, you can really get to the real deep desire as to why Katerina, why she wanted to do this. So in case you weren't really paying attention, but that's okay because I got you back here. So her real desire was that when she was in France... She lived in a home with 10 people and they were at the dinner table every single night and it was so nourishing. She felt so safe and comfortable. Now, going back with her childhood and her upbringing and she didn't quite have this, she wasn't able to really have that feeling of safe comfort and nourishment. She didn't quite have those feelings growing up. They were a bit disjointed and that is what really Drove her why to really sort of push this idea for many, many years. And I hope you enjoyed this part one of the podcast, something a bit different. We're going to be, um, I want. I won't exactly say when I'll release this next one, just to keep a bit more suspenseful, but I'll keep you updated. If you did enjoy this, go ahead, uh, go check out my Facebook group, um, but more importantly, go check out Katarina. I'm going to give her links uh, below. You can go follow her stuff. She does a lot of uh, content, a lot of Facebook lives, Instagram lives, so definitely check her out. Otherwise, this is Jules Dan from Storytelling Secrets. So glad you're with me and listening all the way in, at the end of this podcast. means so much to me. Thanks a lot. I'll see you Monday.